everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Kaiser Bender and Baum's Retail Adventures uh, podcast. And uh, with me, as usual, are George Ann Bender, Rich Kaiser, and I am Jason Baum. We are happy to be together again. Hey, guys. Yes, we are. Hi, Jason. Hi, Rich. Hey, it's really we're good still, to be Yeah. We're still social distancing. You know, before we start, we just want to say that we know there's a lot happening in our country right now, and we're saddened by the senseless and tragic deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Eric Garner and all the others who have died at the hands of the police. We are learning, we are changing, and offering support wherever we can. Every one of us needs to vow to do better. Mm. And Black Lives Matter. Black Lives support, Matter. And we support the movement and we, we are all behind the movement. Well said, Jason. So today's topic is about the things that are going on at retail and how retailers are handling the opening, the reopenings of their stores. And, and we're also going to talk about what it's like to be a consumer now, particularly younger consumers. We have a guest today. Her name is Jasmine Glasheen. She's our good friend and fellow Retail Wire Brain Trust panelist. Jasmine is a writer, a thought leader, a speaker, and a content strategist. She's a frequent contributor to publications including The Robin Report, IBM, Sourcing General, and many other retail publications, including our Retail Adventures blog. Her company, Jasmine Glasheen and Associates, provides content to a variety of different companies. Welcome, Jasmine. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. We are happy to have you. So Thanks we for joining us, Jasmine. Out yeah. We always start out by Jason giving us a little bit of an update on what's happening in the COVID and retail world. Oh boy, what's happening? Well, I think if you're, if you're at all in tune to, unless you've been living in a bunker, which by the way, I saw on the news that there was a guy who went on a spiritual retreat where he went to the woods and locked himself in a cabin, basically lived off the grid for 90 days and just emerged last week yeah right it sounds good right now <laughs> he just emerged last week and so people have been struggling trying to catch him up <laughs> could you imagine being <laughs> locked away during this time period i mean no. i guess it would be nice oh. probably oh, there were contestants he probably turned there around and went right back in the sh in the shack he <laughs> <was>. oh. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> What were you saying, there Jasmine? were contestants on the German reality show um, who were also locked away and they didn't know about COVID until about a month and a half into the pandemic. And then eventually the staff just had to tell them and disband the reality show. And I just cannot imagine how surreal it would seem to just be walking out in the world right now and to see what's going on with retailers, with businesses, and just with individuals. It just feels like everything has been upturned. Yeah, ironically, yeah. that was uh, the show Big Brother. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which which is which is funny to say out loud, you know, as we're trying to implement contact tracing and other things to really watch over everything that's going on and tracing people. But um, so that's a little bit of what's happening. We're we're states are moving into the uh, next phases of reopening and whatever that means, and for which state it all differs. Um, some states are are being a little more, I don't know, I'm going to use the word cavalier because I, I personally think it's a little cavalier, but um, especially mm -hmm. as cases are surging, um, you know, some states are 
opening and others are going at a, uh, a cautious approach. Um, you know, the, the work from home concept is now, I think, part of this culture. And um, I've been reading that a lot of companies are looking at the work from anywhere policy as they go back. Um, this may apply to some stores as far as on the corporate side, obviously not you know, in a store, um, but that's, there's a lot of articles about how is that going to shape the future of our culture. Walt Disney World is doing a phased reopening of uh, Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. So I know George Ann's very excited and, and well, Rich is going to go on the small world ride. Universal opened last week and I guess it's, it's, they're doing a phenomenal job. I want to go back to what you just said about work at home though. Sure. Because that was something that was addressed on Retail Wire this week. And, and it, I used to, I've been in severe quarantine hibernation for the last 18 days now because my daughter had a baby and he's coming home today. Yeah, he, was born, mm -hmm. uh, he was born eight days ago. So we can't leave the house if we want to meet him. And it's been hard just having to stay in the house. I can't imagine complete isolation. But the working from home thing. So we have an office and Rich loves to go to the office. He, that's his thing. Every day we go, he goes and when I go as often as I can, but I used to really like working from home. I don't mm. like it anymore because I'm way too isolated. I'm not, you know, I miss the office camaraderie. I miss talking to Rich. I miss talking to our ghosts. I miss talking to <laughs> the other people who are in the farmhouse with us. But this is interesting. My sister is head of HR for a, a, a large corporation for a bank. And I asked her, you know, what's going on with work from home? And she was talking about her son, who is a, he's part of Generation Z. And uh, he started his job four months before COVID started. And now he's at home behind a computer. And he's missed out on meeting people and the camaraderie. The communication is not the same when you're doing it, you know, over the phone. Mm. He's not feeling connected to the culture at all. Whereas when she was hired, you were put in front of everybody and everybody knew you and you were assimilated into the job. And, and I understand that. Cause I mean, Rich, even with just, you, we have three people in our company, even, mm. even with me, with Rich, as well as I know him 30 years, not being together really mm. hard, which we, you know, we found out guys that you can't move to Florida because it, it wouldn't work. <laughs> oh, I can. And it will. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> I, I think, I think some people thrive in a work from home environment. I, I happen to do really well. I'm a social person, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I can be social virtually. I don't care. It doesn't really impact me. As long as you go into the office every now and then, um, you know, I think it's fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with mm -hmm. that. Here I go. I think that the uh, option and having the flexibility is really where it's at because I feel like once I've met people a few times, I mean, Georgianne, I've been talking to you digitally for, the past years. few years, and I just feel like yeah. I've continued seeing you in person. But I think that we had that basis to build off of. And I think knowing that you can see people in person and really using video and video conferencing to get that personal touch is really important, especially for Gen Z. I don't like They're it. the ones that value in-person communication more than any of us. So I don't like it. I, you know, I said before, <laughs> Rich, Rich is getting ready to say something. Jasmine and I have been really good friends. She's one of my best friends. And the funny thing about it, and we talk about this when we do these different broadcasts for Retail Wire, is the fact that she is, I am older than her mother. 
<laughs> so that, there's a little generation crossing there. Okay, Kai. I like going to the office. And I'll tell you why. When I sit at home, I, my creative juices do not flow because it's the same old place. But when I'm in the mm -hmm. marketplace and I'm walking up and down the street, maybe for lunch or just to get out of the office and see what's happening, all of a sudden mm -hmm. the juices start to flow because I see commerce at work. Even during mm -hmm. this horrible time, I just like the thrill, the rhythm, and the experience of being around businesses, all the people, mm -hmm. all the customers. That's what I like. And that seems to jazz me and keep me fresh. Staying in the mm -hmm. house, I get stale really quick. But I also think that having the opportunity to go into the office when you want is one thing, but realizing that most office workers are stuck in a small cubicle and don't have the flexibility to go outside and see commerce at work, and it can actually be very constrictive. So I actually got my start as publishing editor of a trade show magazine, and that being in a cubicle for a year um, absolutely staunched my creative juices, and I found that I'm much more, much more productive working from home because I do have the flexibility to change venue and to go to a coffee shop or go to a store just to keep that thought process flowing. So maybe, well, maybe we'll see more flexibility. Yeah, maybe we'll reach a happy medium. Yeah, it mm -hmm. depends on what you're doing, right? It really depends on what you're doing and, and the type of worker that you are. I agree with you, Jasmine. Um, I mean, and, and Apple and Google do too. And by the way, guys, we mm -hmm. also have to remember, there's still a pandemic going on. It may be summer, yeah. and it feels like there isn't, but there is. Like we just surpassed 2 million cases in the US. There are over, mm -hmm. uh, what is it, 112, that was the other day, so it's way higher than that, but it's 112,000 people yeah. who passed away. So there's still stuff going on and your safety in an office is important to remember. What ha what's happening in Arizona right now? Arizona was one of the first states to reopen and now they are having a resurgence of it. I heard on Good Morning America this morning and then I, I looked up the article and read it. Their hospitals are dangerously close to overflowing with COVID patients. And they were talking about that, you know, if you're sick with something else, could be a problem. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I, they, showed, they showed 11 states that have had a rebound of COVID. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, you know what that's doing to the psyche of people? I mean, the more the news broadcasts that, the more the psyche of the people is going to move almost backwards the way it was. If they sense that this virus is now making a resurgence uh, of great proportion, uh, that's scary. Mm -hmm. That's really, really scary from a mental state and physical. Mm -hmm. and well, I mean, it's, it's scary for us. It's scary for our business. This morning, um, Chicago, Chicago's McCormick Center announced that it lost one of its largest trade shows that, that was supposed to come in September. It was canceled. Rich and I, mm -hmm. a huge portion of our business is trade shows. But, you know, you got to think about the retailers who have just now been closed for three months and then they're just starting to open their stores. And then if we have a resurgence and they have to go dark again, who knows how many of those will make it back. Yeah. That's a happy thing. And, 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 and here's the danger of it because things are getting better. I mean, in appearance, uh, I, watch, I, I watched a, a gentleman that monitors all the financial arrangements uh, across the United States. And he was saying that during the, the height of the virus time, a credit card activity was 35% off off down people were not shopping you couldn't shop obviously but he said since 
we've kind of opened up and relaxed. Credit card transactions are only 10% off right now. And that mm -hmm. being the case, it's, it, it's as though he says, it's almost like you've seen the old economy come back to life. Well, you see that in the stock market now, it's growth. Um, so I think that, well, you know, people are shopping online. I was just going to say, how much is online sales? Doesn't yeah, matter. People are, it's, a mm -hmm. it's, it's a thing. It doesn't matter. It's a sale. How many stores sell online? So, I mean, the, the playground has changed. And when you, when we say that, we used to say that and think that the red army was over here and the blue army was over here. These guys sold, these guys wanted you to walk in. It's now it's blended. And, and so mm -hmm. I, when you see these numbers, you have to accept that and say, that's all of us. Yeah, I think we'll get into that because that's some pivot tactics, I think, that play into that, that, that retailers mm -hmm. were pretty savvy and, and caught on with and, and now are able to, to pivot and still sell. Right. But All right, so let's talk about that. What's happening in retail in a, in a post, well, it's not really a post-pandemic world because the pandemic is still out there. But there's been a lot of um, talk about drastic changes at retail and and a lot of the articles that we were that we've read that were written in May talk about the doom and gloom and you're going to walk into a store and there's going to be four fixtures and everything's in the back room and nobody can touch anything and you know but we're what we're finding mm -hmm. is this we're on we're on we're in the middle of the country Jason's on the east coast Jazz is on the west coast we're still mm -hmm. finding that we go in there are retailers who really care about their customers and, and that's the thing if i if i go into a store and i think that they're taking care of me i'm going to feel more comfortable going into that store so some of them you walk in you have to wash your hands with a hand sanitizer and wear a mask it's mandatory in some states it's not in other ones and you know the signing is there and social distancing and and retailers are adapting and, and as i just said the thing is if customers feel safe in a particular store, they're going to come back. So talking about things like how stores are merchandised, you know, mm -hmm. one of the things is that, you know, if you have dump bins in your store, you know, maybe use clear plastic bins instead of something that a customer can't see so that when they stick their hand into it to grab something that's in the middle or the bottom, they know what they're sticking their hand to. We're seeing retailers take out the wooden crates, you know, that they use to as display props, display pieces, and using galvanized pails instead because you can't really clean wood. Sure. Um, displays in the store, less dense. We love a good speed bump display, but and we love it when they're really loaded and it becomes a treasure hunt. But maybe for a little while, space the product out a little bit. But Rich, making sure that you change those speed bumps is critically important, right? People become bored very quickly. And, 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 you know, some of that driving about expectations in retail stores today is the fact that they've become, retailers have become really tech savvy. For example, some of the most successful people are probably on Facebook Live once or twice, three times and four times a week. They're showing what's going on. Customers very, very astute. Customer does know what they want. Um, you know, we read the reports that the you know, because of the, the virus, there's all kinds of ways to put petitions up between you and me. And, and I always laugh about it. And I say, it's so hard to have a meaningful conversation between a two inch plate glass between you, your face and mine. But welcome to 2020. Right. <laughs> In the case, they're still looking for soft touches that create relationships with each other, uh, you know, to, 
to make a solidified customer come back into the store again well, and, again and again. Still competitive. Sales, salespeople in stores have become so much more important. They were important before. Now they're mm -hmm. they're absolutely critical that they, you know, I can't see your face behind a mask, so you, you need to be smizing so I can see your eyes smiling. <laughs> you know, and, and um, it to be more forward and personable and show me things and, you know, every salesperson. Now you can't have the one that hides in the back and just puts merchandise out because customers are looking for that connection they didn't have before. It's not even just a connection. Uh, this is where it's safety. They want to feel it safe. It is safe. Sure. It is safe. And, yeah. you know, we went – we went to, I went to, um, before I, I went into hibernation, I went to Wisconsin where the whole state w was um, opened up about three weeks ago. And I went to a department store, a Von Mar department store, and they had all the signs and everyone who worked there was wearing a mask. And the only thing you couldn't touch in the store was the cosmetics and face care and perfumes. Everything else in the store mm -hmm. was the fitting rooms were open. It was, and it was open for business. That's where the other stores well, in the, the shopping is, center. But sure. well, I was going to say one thing. Customers, most of them were not wearing masks, and most of them were not social distancing. Most of them were just having a great time in the store, lots of bags, just like, you know, just like it was six months ago. So that's mm. harder for retailers. How do you manage that? I don't know. That's not happening here. Hey, Jasmine? Yes. Jasmine? You know, I, I read your articles, and and I got to give you a compliment. You're an incredible writer and and disseminator oh, of, and a disseminator of critically good information. That being the setup for this, tell me in you know in a minute and a half or something, tell me what do you see right now as important for retailers, and what do you see mm -hmm. it kind of leading to if it's, if it'll change an in industry, you know, for a long term, not, not a reactionary change. Mm -hmm. So some of these changes really needed to happen. Like Georgian, you touched on the Bon Mar, how some of the cosmetics weren't things that people could just reach up and touch anymore. That needed to happen for a long time. I got my start in retail cosmetics and I've seen kids walk up and stick their fingers in those or put their candy in the eyeshadow. You know, we haven't been monitoring that for a really long time. And this pandemic is leading us to make some important change. I feel that in retail cosmetics, that should always be something that's associate dispensed. Um, it should never be something that customers can just walk in and dig their hands in because the reality is it's not doing the product justice in that type of scenario anyway, because the products are getting dried out and they don't look good. I want to throw something in there for that because this was a discussion that we were having on Twitter uh, last night. Um, have you been to a hotel yet where they have the pumps in the bathroom where you can, you know, get the shampoo and the conditioner and stuff mm -hmm. instead of the bar of soap and the little bottles? Yep. It's, it's kind of the same thing as what you're just talking about there. I don't know what people are putting in there. Seriously. <laughs> I'm not using it. I'm not using it. So, Cosmetics, what else are you seeing? Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of uh, unsanitary practices that have just become normalized in modern retail that this pandemic is shining a spotlight on. I think that one of the most important things that we also touched on is retailers having enough associates on the floor to enforce social distancing. And I understand that this has become somewhat of a controversial topic, 
right now, but the reality is the challenge for retailers is to make brick and mortar shopping fun enough during this pandemic that customers want to keep showing up fun enough and safe enough, right? And those are kind of opposite edges of the coin because yeah. you want to be able to, yeah, you want customers to feel like they're not obviously going to get COVID-19 by being in the store, but at the same time, retailers have to try to make it a positive enough experience that customers are going to want to show up in person. I've been to a few retail stores where I would say the experience bordered on terrifying, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of security up front, which is necessary, obviously. Um, but I kind of felt like guilty until proven innocent and that I was being looked at as a potential threat. Even grocery stores at Sprouts, just as a young person um, wearing a mask, walking yeah. around in those stores. Has anybody been that? in the store where they took your temperature yet? Yes. You have? Yes. Yeah, so like, hairstylists like? here legally have to do that. Um, it was pretty quick and it wasn't as anxiety inducing as I thought it would be. So here it's uh, services where they're more hands-on. So hairstyling, um, acupuncture, facials, anything where somebody's actually putting their hands on you, they'll check your temperature at the front desk before they let you go in. They're letting you do facials and things. I don't think you can do that here yet. Can you do it in New York, Jason? So uh, Governor Murphy actually, so today is June 9th when we are recording this. It is almost two o'clock mm -hmm. in the afternoon on the East Coast. Uh, Governor Murphy literally just had his press conference um, about 30 minutes ago it ended. And uh, he just announced that we're going to be moving into phase two. Yay. Which means that uh, <laughs> the, the stay at home order is, is, is over as of today. And phase two means, which is going to open next week um, on Monday, um, that you're going to be able to have limited in-person retail that's non-essential. You'll be able to have, like, we didn't have any of this. Um, barber mm -hmm. shops are going to be able to open, hair salons are going to be able to open all limited capacity with social distancing as best you can. And face coverings can. Um, face coverings what? You broke up summer a programs what? can happen. Um, our summer, summer, oh, summer programs, I said, are going to um, oh. happen. Sure. And um, yeah, and, and then uh, they're also going to have like gyms. You can have limited capacity um, in a gym, which by the way, I don't know, I, that still grosses <laughs> me out. I feel like that's like the last place I want to go right now. Um, so yeah, so, there's so one thing soon. <laughs> yeah. So there's one thing I also want to touch on for retail stores as we talk about the increased sanitization procedures. Um, I feel like it's really important to have succession planning for frontline employees. So a lot of succession planning is essentially having somebody trained and ready to replace somebody else should they fall ill or should something come up in their family where they're not able to show up to work. And I'm seeing a lot of C-suite businesses talk about that but I'm not hearing it for frontline employees. And I don't hear retailers making an effort to ensure that they have employees on call when they're opening their brick and mortar stores, whether actually letting customers in store or doing curbside pickup, which means that when and if associates start to fall ill, they're not gonna be able to enforce the sanitization procedures or enact a positive curbside pickup experience. 
Yeah, Jasmine, Jasmine, in in all your research that you know, and I know you're watching everything, literally retail. Do you do you have a sense that people are, uh, I, I'm going to say, almost dumbing down about about sanitation? For example, I, I'm walking into places here in Chicago where people are now mm -hmm. refusing and or do not wear face masks. We opened up. And it's mandatory here. Well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you and they know. won't. No, they won't wear it, and it's mandatory. Yeah, We're I mean, I'm mm -hmm. seeing that. Uh, you know, I, I got called an idiot, by some guy. That's a true story. I was in Home Depot, wow. and I got too close to him. My God, I was five feet away from that guy, and he looked at me and said, "You're mm -hmm. supposed to keep separation, you idiot." Mm -hmm. I wow. I slugged him. <laughs> He was really no, old. He, no, he wasn't. We, we don't condone violence on uh, the no, Kaiser Bender Battle no, Recovery you know, Podcast. Really? Uh, that you was know, a joke. I thought to myself, is that why people are stopping? Uh, you know, but but mm -hmm. but I mean, I'm seeing that, Jasmine. And is that a trend? Is that or is it where I shop? I mean, I don't I've know. been that customer. I told a lady to back up who got her shopping cart too close to me in the line of the grocery store. No, no, I'm not talking about mm -hmm. verbally attacking somebody. That's what you do. I'm asking Jasmine if people. <laughs> I'm asking. Ja I'm asking Jasmine. Do they? Are they not doing the rules? You know what I mean. You walk into sure. So this is where the store associates really need to step up, right? And this is where the store associates can really and you know there's direct, indirect, walking them back and forth around a line full of customers and just saying, please make sure that you're staying six feet away in a very positive tone of voice. You know, I think that that is really where the retailers need to step up and make sure that they're maintaining that positive experience because people are scared and we are hostile. Whether somebody wants to be wearing a mask, whether they fully believe in enforcing the procedures or they don't, I mean, everybody is so polarized right now and that's where the retailers really need to step in and train those associates and be ready with replacements and teach them how to approach the situation in a way that feels positive and in a way that feels fun and non-threatening. I couldn't agree with that more, Jasmine. And I think that goes to, you know, something I've been thinking about um, past few days um, about what I was going to talk about today on the podcast with, with all you guys is that, mm -hmm. you know, keep your word, keeping your word and, and what that means. And I feel like now more than ever, we're hearing about what stores are going to be doing. Here's how we're going to keep you safe. Here are the options you mm -hmm. have. Here are the things we're going to be doing. But if you don't do them well, or if you don't do them at all, then you're going to exactly. lose a lot of customers. This is a big deal. And people are viewing it as a big deal. So even if you're you know, not taking it as seriously, Someone is going to have a bad experience and they will never come back to your store. I think it is a exactly. long-term impact. I don't think this is going to be short-term. I think people will remember what you did today to help them make, feel, make them feel good about going to your store because it's a big deal to get out of your house. It is a big deal right. to go to these stores. I, I wanted you're to building say, a perception. Yeah. And you're, the mm -hmm. only thing that's important is the shopper's perception. It doesn't it's matter trust. how good you think you are. It's what they think. It's trust. That's why, I exactly. asked that, that's why I asked that specific question, Jasmine, because I wanted her. I figured I, I knew she was going to say that. Comes down to <laughs> staff members that know what to say and what to do, and that's exactly. where there's been a disconnect in a lot of stores. 
Yeah. I wanted mm -hmm. to tell a, a quick story. Okay. A really quick story because this is a customer service thing and, and it goes back to what I was saying about, um, you know, to trust and keeping your word. I, I went to a major chain big box home improvement store. Oh, you're not saying the name. <laughs> I'm not going to say the name. I was thinking about saying the name okay. because I was really upset. Uh, you know what? Hell with it. I'm going to say the name. Now I can't be a sponsor, but. <laughs> so I went, to, I went to Lowe's and I'm a big fan of Lowe's. I actually really like Lowe's a lot. Um, but I was so just, mm -hmm. and maybe that's what, it, and, and maybe that's why I'm so disappointed. Um, mm -hmm. I went and I did curbside pickup. We ordered the products. We were really patient because it took them a long time to fulfill the order. And I, I even was on mm -hmm. this podcast two weeks ago saying, give them a chance. They've never done this before. Sure. Be patient, right? I show up curbside pickup, really easy. You pull right in, they have the spots all marked, call the number, let them know what spot you're in and open up the trunk. Sounds good to me. Mm -hmm. I pull in, I call a number, no pickup. No one picked up the phone. There was not even a single person answering the phone at curbside pickup. Okay, so I give it another five minutes. I, I waited outside in my car for 15 minutes calling that number. It kept getting through. You could hear people talking and no one actually answered mm -hmm. the phone. Okay, that's one. I walked in, I had to stand online at customer service for 35 minutes to get the products that I wanted. By the way, not all of them were there, but I had to stand in line. So I did curbside pickup purposely so I didn't have to walk in the store. I ended up sure. in the store and I was in there for 35 minutes. Sure. Yeah, that's unbelievable. That's big time breaking a promise. Big time, I, I've big been, time breaking I've promise. been trying to buy, you know, I, so buy online, pick up in store. We did that for a while. We did curbside pickup or we did curbside pickup for a while, but I, I'm finding now that since in Illinois we're in the, in the phase three, where almost everything is open, it's harder for me now to find curbside. I can do Instacart mm -hmm. and have somebody pull my groceries, but for me to place the order and be able to go and sit outside, I'm, I'm trying to buy, um, our, our dog just had some surgery. We're trying, I'm trying to buy gauze pads and things. And, and I finally found out that I can drive through a Walgreens or drive through a CVS and tell them what I want. And the mm -hmm. pharmacist person will go pick the goods for you and bring them to the car. But I was having to have a real hard, a real hard time finding it. I don't want to do bulbous now buy online, pick up in store. I'm not ready for that, but sure. I want to do, I don't know what they're calling it. It bullpucks <laughs> buy online, pick up curbside. <laughs> it's, I'm finding it harder and it shouldn't be, you know, cause Rich and I always tell our retailer clients that, you know, you, because of COVID-19, you now have two stores. You have an online store and you have a brick and mortar store. And just because your, your city is opening up, that doesn't mean that you can shut down your online store because you still have customers that want to deal with you online. So I think that promise mm. thing is pretty important, Jason, the, the trust. You're right. Yeah. And also, I, once that trust is broken, that's when consumers start to feel like the brands are putting the profit over their own health. And Edelman recently did the Edelman Trust Barometer. They did an extra COVID study, and they reported that 71% of consumers will lose trust in brands if they put profits over people during this time. So, Jason, your experience that you just described is exactly that. That's how the consumer ends up feeling. I had a very similar experience at Home Depot. I didn't go in, but it was very negative. I didn't know where to park. I waited for 20 minutes calling before they brought the product that's my car. 
And that is, that's a violation of trust because once a company puts out a statement saying, we're going to keep you safe in this way, customers experience panic and they're not going to forget that. And they're very, very vocal after a bad experience, as we all know. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not going to do it right, don't do it, I guess is the message. You know, it's almost better to not do it at all than do it poorly. Mm -hmm. Rich and I did a live Q&A with a group of retailers earlier this week, last week. And even in states where masks are mandatory, it's amazing the number of people who are running businesses who are being held accountable who don't want to make people sanitize their hands and don't want to make people social distance. And they don't want you to have to, if you want to wear a mask in your store, you don't have to, even if it's mandatory. And and I, I read an article last week that talked about whether or not people who work in stores should be able to sue their employer if they get COVID-19 on the job. I mean, that's something that retailers have to start thinking about too. If I'm, if I don't require my staff to wear masks and I don't require customers to do that, you know, you're there to protect the people who work for you and your customers. Mm. Yeah, Walmart just put out, I mean, this is in the news today, which I, I'm surprised by. I would have th- thought that Walmart would have done this earlier, but employees, regardless of where you are, what state you're in, what phase they're in, have to wear a mask, practice social distancing whenever possible, and wash hands regularly. That's today. Yeah. So this is I mean, new? <laughs> that's what I said. I'm like, so they didn't have to before? <laughs> well, maybe, mm-hmm. in, maybe in some states where it's not mandatory to wear a mask, they let people not do that, but... We keep, talk, we keep talking about whether or not it's going to come back. We have to do mm-hmm. whatever we can to prevent that from happening. Because I don't know about you guys, but I do not want to spend the next three months in my house again. <laughs> no way. No, I do no not desire. want that to happen. So, Jasmine, no. one, of the art, one of the articles that you just wrote for the Robin <clears throat> Report was about <clears throat> what's going on with millennials and Generation Z consumers. And you talked about mm-hmm. how the next gens... Um, everything with them is about trust and about yep. constant communication. So tell us a little bit about that, about what you found. Sure. So this is really interesting because it kind of ties into the trust conversation that we were just having. Over a fourth of Gen Z report having a negative mental health experience as a result of this pandemic. And I think that the world that these next gens are growing up in or that young millennials are starting their families is just unfathomable to most of us. So what they're looking for from brands is a lot different than what their predecessors looked for from brands. So while in the olden days we would have talked about maybe brands not taking a stance on social issues, remaining impartial, focusing on their message, at this point, the message is the brand stance on social issues and constant you communication. Said, you just said the olden days. <laughs> it's the olden days. Okay, a decade ago. But that feels like the olden days now, doesn't it? I mean, water. a decade ago. A decade ago, you could sell cosmetics with a cardboard cutout of Eva Longoria <laughs> holding lotion. And now Generation Z is scouring the internet to find out every single action that a brand takes on the social issues that they care about before making a purchase. And this is trickle-down mentality, right? Like the youngest generation is the one that spearheads consumer behavior. So this isn't just Generation Z. This is millennials, you know? So you you just said 
Eva Langoria holding a bottle of lotion. Mm-hmm. How are in, how are influencers uh, faring right now with younger generations? Ooh, okay. So this is a tough question because it really depends. Um, it's it's a harder time to talk about consumer behavior because consumer behavior is so bifurcated. Even if you look at the customers who can't wait to come into stores and those that are still socially distancing at home, like you, George, because you have a new grandbaby coming home. So we're talking about completely different consumer behavior. So half of Gen Z, or slightly more than half, is very skeptical of anything that feels endorsed by the man. So this even trickles down to sponsored product endorsements. The influencer bubble broke about two years ago when it was coming to light that a lot of these influencers like the Kardashians, et cetera, were marketing things like diet teas, diet lollipops, you know, dog food that they had never even tried just to get that sponsorship. So it used to be that influencer endorsements led to trust because it it lended the personal touch that Gen Z really needed. Now that influencers have blown up and the bubble has sort of burst, that's not necessarily true anymore. So we're seeing another shift away from just influencer-driven marketing, again, kind of back to that value-based marketing. So influencers became the same as somebody for, you know, schlepping something on a paid advertisement. Exactly, because they are. That's all that they are. And now that Gen Z consumers have realized that, it really takes those influencers talking about their values, um, and a lot of times that's going to be sustainability, environmentally friendly products, giving back to the charities that they care about. Again, that's going to be values driven because they want to feel like the brand or the celebrity endorsement has some blood in its veins, right? That's what Gen Z is really looking for. They want that personal touch, face-to-face interaction whenever possible. And they want that, that passion behind the brand because brands cannot appear to exist for the sole purpose of making a profit anymore. Yeah. It's all about their values and what they think and, and exactly how they interact with customers in their community and the supply chain and its impact on the world. Yeah. I got a, I got a question for you, Jasmine. You said that influencers, which I agree, um, influencers as we know them as they were making their millions, uh, not mm-hmm. so not so important now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then earlier you were talking about sales associates and stores that really know their stuff. With my words, not yours exactly, but the influence mm-hmm. that has. Does it? Does, uh, two things. Two things. So let me just give you both, and then just give me a, a heads up on what you think. Sure. Store takes an associate, the, the group of associates, train them very well. Let's say really well. Can those associates become literally influencers because of the quality of knowledge and, and help they give? That's number one. Mm-hmm. And then number two, Facebook Live has been really blowing up in stores, really blowing up. Mm-hmm. And, and George, I can remember, George, I, I don't remember how long ago, but it was some time ago, said get, get a customer to go along with you and talk about what that customer sees and that and when I heard that, and then subsequently when we've been talking to stores that are using Facebook Live and asking other people to come in and talk, 
sometimes mm. sales associates and sometimes customers. Um, that has become too almost like an endorsement and to use that term, your term would be an influencer. Do you, do you, do you, would, mm. do you think that it's safe to say that if we did those types of things, we are literally turning our own influencers into better influencers in the store? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the idea of brand ambassadors and turning store associates into brand ambassadors by arming them with knowledge. And I think that the Facebook Live idea is really good because for a while, customers really trusted reviews. And then it came to light that a lot of brands were buying reviews or paying to have their most negative reviews removed. I know that the most popular review is out of five stars, 4.7. That's the one that actually gets the most sales. So a lot of brands, <laughs> if you look on Amazon or if you look on Ulta consumer ratings, have exactly 4.7 stars. That's something to be skeptical of now. So even the reviews bubble is bursting and people are going back to companies like Consumer Reports that can give people that impartial brand endorsement because they want to know what really works. Yeah. So the idea of live, because then that's giving consumers that kind of face-to-face -face touch that they crave, that vulnerability, and then working with somebody that's actually using the product on film <laughs> so they can see that it's real. Um, that feels really good. I can think, I think that that would be very authentic for customers. Did, did you see the commercial um, with Eva Langoria? She goes on and she's got really gray hair for L'Oreal. No. They, they show her talking about how much she hates her hair. And then somebody's obviously filming her. And then she takes out the packaged hair color and she gets at the grocery store and she does her hair and she says, I feel normal again. Wow. That was a good yeah, spot see, that, that made touch. me think she did it. She actually used it. Yeah. Yeah. Jason. Yeah, I was just going to say, well, actually, I just renewed my Consumer Reports subscription, so I think you're right on, on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, please sponsor us, Consumer Reports. Um, no, but, <laughs> you know, I think there's a, the influencer topic is, is very at home to me. You know, I, I do some consulting on the side with influencers. I think there's the celebrity mm. endorsement influencer. I think there's the micro mm. influencer. I think there's the brand ambassador. You know, there are so many terms and there are so many ways to describe who is influencing the end consumer, right? Um, I think mm. they are still incredibly important to end purchase. I think that they still drive it more than anything, especially those micro influencers mm -hmm. who, you know, the YouTube celebrities who people really trust when it's, uh, um, mm. for example, in the arts and crafts industry, um, you know, that's an industry that see, touch, feel, um, you really need to understand how a product's being used before you go and buy it. Those influencers I don't think that bubble has burst and I don't think it's going to go anywhere for a long time, especially in a virtual mm. world. It's just getting louder. Um, yeah. So mm. I think that that's still an important part of the, uh, you know, purchasing. You know, mm. in, the, in the craft industry, there are designers and creators who work with the vendors all the time. And, you know, they, they're, they're making things all the time. They're their own YouTube channels. And then there are like the celebrity kind of influencers. And exactly. I think, a lot of it comes down to how influential is your influencer? Mm. Because walking that trade show, you know, for me to see somebody like, you know, Martha Stewart standing in a booth talking to me about her, her craft item, you know, I know she's, I know she's very creative. She does stuff. I'm not buying that as much as I am the designer who does it 
every day and is writing craft books every day. And she, you might not have any idea who she is if you're not in the industry, but she's really good. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it comes down to that. How influential is your influencer? Who are you listening to? Yeah. So what else you had on your, in your article, you talked about um, constant communication for mm -hmm. building trust. Um, you talked about different kinds of delivery, social media. Um, you want to just mm -hmm. kind of, kind of, we're getting close to our end time here. You just want to kind of wrap it up for us and tell us what you think. Sure. Yeah, I think that, so when we were talking about the fact that brands over promising is worse than them doing nothing at all. I think that that's a really important idea to keep in mind in the coming months because the reality is none of us know exactly what it's gonna look like. But what we do know is that we're gonna want that accountability and transparency. And transparency comes from constant contact, right? Transparency comes from a brand's sustainability report, their willingness to give consumers updates on that and try to meet that. Definitely, but transparency also comes from that live video, from that talking to real customers about their personal experience, and even talking about some of the struggles that young consumers might be facing, whether it be with isolation and mental health, or whether it be with you know, financial issues. The reality is if a brand can come out and say, look, we know things are hard right now, so we're offering this and this discount on these items that you really like, stay tuned with us because we're going to be offering a new discount on certain products that you're going to be using during quarantine every single day, that remains relevant. And that yeah. remains sincere in a time and a demographic that is incredibly attuned to any type of fluff. Makes perfect sense. Rich, do you have any closing comments? No, no, I think it really, uh, you know, what a wonderful discussion, number one. Number two is that uh, I think the comments that I lifted from this discussion coming from you, Jasmine, and uh, George and Jason uh, are just going to help because all I do is repeat what I learn and I share that with retailers and you've all enriched a lot of people's lives through me in the next coming weeks. I'll guarantee you that because we're on the phone every day, aren't we, George? With people. Every day. Mm -hmm. All day. And, it's, it's and we kinda, get to you know, really smart because you know how it goes. The first time I tell somebody something really cool, I'll say, Jasmine told me this. The second <laughs> time I say it, I say, someone told me this. And then the third time I say it, I say, let me tell you something. Oh, I love doing that. <laughs> so you're a thief. Well, thank you. Thank oh, you, Bridget. Thank I you know. so much for oh, having let me. Let me tell um, you, man, I'll steal the stuff right out of your front pocket. Oh, stop it. Um, so visit our Retail Adventures blog at retailadventuresblog.com and our website, kaiserandbender.com. We have lots of things to help you navigate through COVID and beyond. Our, our Retail Adventures webinar series is available at the top of our website on kaiserandbender.com. Here's my wrap-up. There's a lot more on retailers' plates right now than there was just 90 days ago. It's not easy to be a retailer. In addition to running your brick-and-mortar store, you're always going to be heavy serving of selling online and the Facebook Lives that Rich keeps talking about. And you need a mm -hmm. heavy 
social media presidents, and, and just know that we're here to help. If we can help you, drop us an email or give us a call. We're here anytime. And Jason? Here's, here's my wrap-up. First of all, Jasmine, thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate oh, it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I just want to wrap it up by saying, you know, again, what I said before, when I speak to the retailers who are listening to this, keeping your word is so important right now. You know, if you're going to do something, mean it, own it, live up to it. And if it's something that you can't do, don't promise it. Because mm-hmm. now more than ever, we are living in a world that is uh, a little tumultuous, a little crazy. Uh, people need to trust the brands that they know, the brands that they love, the retail stores that they know, the retailers that they love, regardless of size, regardless of where you are. So let's all do this together, mean what we say, provide what we're saying we're going to provide. And I think that everybody you know, will feel a little bit better about the experience that they're having at the stores as they begin to reopen. And they'll also understand you know, what you're going through. So I think they'll be a little bit mm-hmm. kinder as we move forward. And with that, thanks mm. as always for joining us. For the retail ad- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> thank you for joining us for the, not quite John Oliver level, but I'm getting there. Uh, thank you for joining us for the retail adventures podcast. Uh, I'm Jason Baum uh, and, and signing out for George Ann Bender and for Rich Kaiser, Kaiser and Bender. We, we hope you join us again next time. We really love doing these and we're going to continue to do them even if you don't listen to them just because we love to hear ourselves <laughs> speak. So, <laughs> so you might as well subscribe and listen to it. Uh, we can be found everywhere. Apple Music, Google Play, uh, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, and a bunch of others that I can, oh, Deezer and some others that I can't really remember, but they're, we're there. So find us. Uh, if you listen to podcasts, we're wherever your podcast uh, is. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next week. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye everybody.